Okay, 1 Peter chapter 2 and 3. We're going to finish 2 and get into 3. And once again, we probably won't get as far as I had thought. But see, the problem is, the tendency is for everybody to be complacent, apathetic, lethargic, ignore everything, hide their head in the sand. But you might not like me. You might not come back. But at least you can't say, nobody told you. Nobody here today should be shocked at anything that's on the horizon. And again, we don't have to be fearful. We have God on our side. But that doesn't mean that we should not be alert and aware. Peter said, be alert. Be attentive. Your adversary, the enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion wandering to and fro about the earth, seeking whom he may devour. And he is devouring daily. The Bible is full of warnings about not falling asleep, being alert, being watchful, being attentive. And if the Christians aren't doing it, who will? Because we are the ones that have been enlightened by the Spirit of God and the Word of God. We've been awakened. I'm telling you, folks, those Matrix movies were so prophetic. And I'm telling you right now, the majority of people on this planet are living in the matrix. But when you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, you get plugged into reality. You are taken out of the matrix and you see things as they really are. And by the way, inside the matrix, how many of you have seen any of the matrix movies? Inside the matrix, everything looked great, didn't it? Wonderful and beautiful. beautiful and, but when they came out of the matrix, they saw the ugliness of the reality they were living in. If we see this world as beautiful and desirable, we're in the matrix. Get it? Okay. Here we go. Verses 21 through 25. I'm going to read them again, but we're only going to focus this morning on verse 25 and then move into chapter 3. For to, to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow His steps who committed no sin, nor was deceit found in his mouth, who when he was reviled did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but committed himself to him who judges righteously, who himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. And that's where we left off last week, living for righteousness, by whose stripes you were healed. Today we move on to verse 25. For you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Let's pray. Father, we lift up this time in your word. We ask you to help us cover as much ground as possible, but mostly we just pray that the parts we do cover, your Holy Spirit would anoint and empower the teaching of your word and that you would continue to enlighten and illuminate us and continue to unplug us from the matrix and bring us more and more into the realm of reality, the ugliness of this world, and the beauty and the glory of your eternal kingdom. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, for you were like sheep going astray. Now, we already talked about this last week, how Peter is referring in the past tense to how we were before we were saved, before we were born again. You were like sheep going astray. He's speaking of the old life, pre-Christ. 
you were. Now, we're still sheep. But the point is, now that we've been saved, we've been born again, we've been forgiven of our sins, washed in the blood of the Lamb, it's amazing that Christ is both our good shepherd and He is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So again, we identify with Him. We're sheep and He's the Lamb of God. Interesting, I got 12 characteristics of sheep here. You were like sheep. One, sheep are foolish. They are, they're really stupid. I had a couple sheep when I lived in the mountains. I know what I'm talking about. Sheep are slow to learn. Have you ever seen a sheep do tricks? (laughs) Sit, Fluffy, speak. They're dumb. They're slow to learn. Sheep are unattractive. They're out there rubbing around in things and getting all this crud in their wool and everything. They're, They're pretty ugly. Sheep are demanding. Yes, they are. My wife was the primary caretaker of this sheep, and they really beat her up, let me tell you. Sheep are stubborn. Sheep are strong. Man, huh, we had a, uh, like, a um, like a dog chain. We had one of these sheep on a dog chain. And we had them out try, you know, kind of trying to get them to eat some of the weeds and stuff and grazing. And She had this thing in her hand and this sheep took off running and dragged her I don't know how far. I mean strong, strong, strong. They're straying. All we like sheep have gone astray. They stray. They tend to wander. Sheep are unpredictable. Sheep are copycats. Sheep are restless. Sheep are dependent. And sheep are the same everywhere. A sheep is a sheep is a sheep. You were like sheep, Peter says. We are the people of his pasture. But you were going astray. And that's what happens with sheep who do not have a good shepherd. Without the good shepherd... Jesus Christ, to guide us, our natural tendency like sheep is to go astray, to wander here and there. I've been seeing that my whole life. People wandering here and there, whether it's in their job, their marriage, their church. I mean, it's so easy to confirm what Peter is saying here. They wander here and there, go in the wrong direction. We endanger ourselves in a ultimately induce our own demise. That's what happens to a sheep that's going astray. Wander here and there, go in the wrong direction, endanger ourselves, and ultimately induce our own demise. And that's how we were apart from Christ. Isaiah 53, 6. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. Remember in the book of Judges, when Israel got into all that trouble... It tells us more than once in the book of Judges, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. We've each one gone our own way, turned to our own way. You do your thing, man, I'll do mine. Your truth is not my truth. Well, there's only one truth. You either possess the truth or you're living a lie. Get it? And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, this is a messianic passage. The Lord has laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Praise God. You were like sheep going astray, but have now returned. Remember Jesus told the parable of the one and the ninety-nine. hundred sheep, 
99 stayed home. One went astray. The good shepherd left the 99 there temporarily long enough to go and retrieve that lost sheep. And then he brought that sheep back into the fold. That lost sheep returned like the prodigal son. But now have returned. So when you come to Christ, when you acknowledge Him as your Lord and Savior, when we yield our lives over to God and acknowledge Him as the shepherd of our souls, basically we're simply returning to our original place as one of His flock. We're getting back to where we once belonged. Get back. Okay. Genesis 3.8. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And this is after the fall. This is after they disobeyed God and fallen into sin. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. What's the point here? God is walking in the garden in the cool of the day. This passage, I would say most Bible scholars and commentators understand this passage to be indicating or at least suggesting that it was a normal thing for God to spend time with Adam and Eve in their garden. Why not? They were created in perfection. There was nothing that would keep them and God from having intimate fellowship. And so God comes strolling in for His regular visit with His kids and they're hiding because they know they've blown it. Their sin, their fall from grace would result in a breaking of fellowship. And so that's the starting point for all we like sheep have gone astray. It started with Adam and Eve and then it spread to every human being of every generation and every corner of the globe. All we like sheep have gone astray. But now Peter says, you've returned. I wish more people could see this and understand it and realize it that there's nothing weird about becoming a believer in God and His Son, Jesus Christ. All you're doing is returning. You're getting back to where you once belonged. And by the way, the fellowship has been restored the only way it could have been through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, the sacrificial Lamb, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, who died on the cross for our sins. He is the one that made it possible for us to get back. And so he says, you were, you were like sheep going astray, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. I love this Noah Webster definition of soul. The spiritual, rational, and immortal substance in man, which distinguishes him from brutes that part of men which enables him to think and reason. And so when you have a shattered soul, a damaged soul, an unredeemed soul, your ability to think and and reason is seriously impaired. As I told you, perhaps last week or the week before, I believe we're now living in the age of insanity. Ultimately what happens when someone spends a lifetime rejecting God, they go nuts. You need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I I was thinking back um, last night about my mom. 
She died just before my 17th birthday, but we were always very close. Actually, it was this morning. My wife and I were talking on the way to church about how strict her dad was, and uh, he was an Italian, you know, and they weren't even allowed to use the word pregnant in that household. And I was thinking, uh, and she had to go out in the garage and change from her dress to her jeans because he wouldn't let her wear pants, stuff like that. And I was thinking about my mom. I wouldn't have called her a liberal, but she was definitely more balanced, more willing to let a person be who they were rather than trying to force you into her mold like a lot of parents do. And it enabled me to pursue things like my music and so forth. And I was just, I was thinking about all that, you know, and yet I thought, you know, knowing my mom for the brief time that I did, I've seen so many people from her generation that have crossed over from traditional, solid uh, Judeo-Christian beliefs to now embracing all of this weird liberalism. Any of you seen that? Older people that you never thought would do that? And all of a sudden, yeah, whatever, you know, whatever. Do your thing, whatever makes you happy. You know, gay, transgendered, bisexual, whatever. People compromising more and more. And I thought, wow, I wonder if my mom would have done that. Maybe. So many from her generation have. And you would have never thought it because they were the ones that were laying the foundation for future generations. And we see how that foundation has deteriorated. Let me go back and reread this definition. The spiritual, rational, and immortal substance in man which distinguishes him from brutes or beasts, that part of man which enables him to think and reason and which renders him a subject of moral government. And we see more and more people with damaged souls. They seem to be soulless. And so this idea of being a subject of moral government, we see chaos and confusion. The immortality of the soul is a fundamental article of the Christian system. What does the world tell us? What are the atheists, the, uh, the humanists, the Darwinists? That there is no soul. We're no different from the animals. Therefore, if we're no different from the animals, then we can justify behaving like an animal, right? The immortality of the soul is a fundamental article of the Christian system. Such is the nature of the human soul that it must have a God, an object of supreme affection. In other words, God created us to have relationship with Him, to know Him. The blockage, the barrier, is our sin, which has degraded our minds, our hearts and our minds and our souls. And so it really is a miracle... So often we take it for granted. But if you're here today and you're a born-again believer, I trust the majority are, don't ever forget you are a miracle. It's only a miraculous act of the Spirit of God that has enabled you, just like in the Matrix. There are only a few people who broke through. It's a miracle when God breaks through that Matrix and opens your heart and your mind to the truth about who He is and what He has done, what He is doing, and what He's going to do. Mm. The physical bodies, folks, that we now possess are temporary. 
Yet the vast majority of focus and emphasis in this world is on the physical. And we'll get into that in a moment with the first part of chapter 3 and Peter's uh, exhortation to women. These physical bodies are temporary. Our souls are eternal. They are the very essence of who we are as created by God. As such, I would propose, they are our most precious possession, our souls. And they must be guarded because all we like sheep have gone astray. And the good shepherd guards us, the shepherd and overseer of your souls. God, who is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, is the only one who is able, who is capable and qualified to guard our souls. Do you realize that? No one else is. I'm not qualified. You're not qualified. Your boss isn't qualified. Your spouse isn't qualified. Some guru or priest or Buddhist monk. There's only one entity in the universe that is able, capable, and qualified to guard our souls now and throughout eternity. And that is God. And if you don't have a guardian over your soul, you're in big trouble. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and praise you that you've made yourself known to us as the guardian, the shepherd and overseer of our souls. You created us. You created us in your image. And your word tells us that you are a spirit, Father, and that your son Jesus Christ is the physical human manifestation of who you are. Father, forgive us for being so focused on the temporary, on the physical, to the detriment of the spiritual and the eternal. Lord, we are here on this earth. You've placed us here. We are involved in a massive spiritual war, the forces of darkness versus the forces of light. The kingdom of God versus the kingdom of Satan. And Lord, that does involve the physical realm. But your word tells us the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not fleshly. They're not material. They are spiritual. And they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. But Father, we need to take hold of those spiritual weapons and use them if we are to be victorious. We know, God, that you are victorious and you will prevail and your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. But Lord, we don't want to be bystanders. We don't want to be casualties. We want to be victors. And you have given us everything we need to be victorious. But Lord, you're the commander-in-chief. You're the shepherd and the overseer of our souls. You're the good shepherd who keeps us from wandering astray, from turning to our own way. Help us, Father, daily to yield ourselves over to you, to submit our lives to you, to not go astray, to not foolishly go in directions that will get us in trouble and eventually lead to our demise. God, we ask this morning that you forgive us of our sins, that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit and empower us and enable us, Lord, to not only be the sheep 
or the people of your pasture, but to be soldiers in your army, the army of God, that we would march forward joyfully, victoriously, confidently, lovingly. Lord, teach us, we pray, how to be like you, loving but firm, understanding but resolute, determined but compassionate. Lord, we want to be everything you are. We know that we fall miserably short, but we thank you for the power of your Holy Spirit working in us to be more like Jesus each day. Help us, Father. And we pray for anyone here this morning that doesn't know you, that this very day they would come out of the matrix, they would come out of darkness into light, out of death into life, and embrace you, Lord Jesus, as their own personal Savior. And if there's even one lost sheep, we pray that you bring him back into the fold today. Lord, pour out your spirit in these closing moments. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.